is a podcast from Concern Worldwide, bringing you stories from some of the 25 countries we work in as humanitarians, the challenges communities are facing, some of the solutions and other bits in between. To find out more about Concern, visit concern.net. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Pod Worldwide. In this episode... It's a great experience for people to push themselves outside maybe what they're used to and outside their comfort zones and be able to do something that matters in the meantime. Concerned street fundraisers tell us what it's like to approach strangers and why they do it. How do you get your truck unstuck from the mud in Kenya? You need a tree though, it's a good tree. Yes, you need a very strong tree. <laughs> a very strong tree, not a weaker one. I'm Ruth Medjbear, music photographer and the pandemic's Windows photographer, takes time out from touring with Josier to tackle our How Much Do You Know quiz. The question is how much do you know? And I'm going to tell you now, I know very little. (laughs) One of us has to be at the bottom of this leaderboard and I'm ready to take that on now. I'm your host, Eilish Staunton. First up, street fundraisers. They get a bad rap often referred to as chuggers for just trying to do their job, which, to be honest, I don't think I'd be able to do without needing to lie down in a dark room afterwards. But what motivates someone to make it their job? And how do the Irish public really react to street fundraisers? I went out to Nassau Street in Dublin in the lead up to Christmas to speak to some of Concern's fundraising team. For people who mightn't actually know what a street fundraiser is, what is it and what does it involve? I guess a street fundraiser is people are out there day on day trying to raise money for some of the poorest countries in the world and people who maybe don't have a voice, you know, really. like. Um, I think it entails a lot of different things and I think one of my favourite bits about it is that there's no one particular personality of a fundraiser. What works and what makes the job work is all the different kinds of people that we get. It can be more fun than it looks sometimes. How long have you been doing this plan? Seven years and three months. Okay. <laughs> um, I think because I'm new to it, I haven't fully formed my idea of it entirely. And I guess that's in part what makes it fun. It's equal to being a human. You learn as you go and interacting with other people teaches you who you are as a fundraiser. So it is more about community, connecting and being human. Yeah. And I'm Abby. <laughs> And Abby, how long have you been doing this? Uh, this is my third week, yeah, but more years to come. <laughs> I suppose that's when you talk about making eye contact and kind of making that human connection, it's quite tricky to do with strangers. Yeah, you can kind of guess what way is going to work with people to kind of stop, but I, I find a lot of the time it's just having a bit of crack with people, like genuinely even in the midst of people like looking like they're in the busiest most stressful day ever you know if you have that bit of crack with them you can even make their day and it's it's lovely just even being able even if you're not getting people signed up getting that response and getting people in front of you and i i guess for for newer people it is probably a very weird concept like i i think i felt it more and had forgot about it how weird it is until we done covid and we had missed like 15 months of fundraising and then you're back out and you're like whoa My job is to look at random strangers, wave at them and look like I really want to talk to them. I think it's a great experience for people to push themselves outside maybe what they're used to and outside their comfort zones and be able to do something that matters in the meantime. Would you all be very naturally sociable people or is this 
Everyone's shaking their heads except for Glenn. <laughs> no? So, okay, so this is really challenging. Yeah, no, I was a, what I think I'm a complete introvert. So before starting this job, I was that person who used to stay in her room 24-7, not interact with people. And this job kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. And now I meet people and I'm like, I never used to like talking to people. And they're like, it doesn't look like it though. Because like this job kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. I think I love that thing about this job. I've been here for, I think, nine months now. My name is Ishani. Uh, yeah, I'm naturally introverted. I actually, in my interview, said that I have social anxiety. So I think this was a challenge for me in a lot of ways, but it's allowed me anyway to see the personality that Dublin has to offer. People are willing to listen and I guess advocating for something bigger than ourselves. We have purpose in our conversation. Um, we have a reason why we're approaching people and it's taught me as well of my reason why I should be more sociable and more personable and to communicate with people, which is just, you learn more being open and it's about reminding people in Dublin to be open to knowing what's going on in the world. Do people get the message? Do they go, oh, I didn't know that or I'm really good to hear that or are they open to it? I think why our job matters is that there's questions that people have that want to be answered and you know when you can get that person in front of you which can be the biggest hurdle like getting that person to stop is the first kind of chance I'll actually be able to change their minds. I'm not going to concentrate too much on the negatives of the people who give you abuse but I guess it does happen does it? Yeah you shake your heads. How would you deal with that? Trying to let it go over your head because you know you can you can wallow down in that bad reaction or the, the multiple different bad reactions you might get and then you're almost giving in to what they want which is to affect your day. And I think with the fact that we're a team, I think that's the bit that can really help when we come together as a unit. I think that's what majorly helps because everyone here has had to deal with that on some level or another. Do people ever surprise you in a good or bad way? Um, yeah, I thought I knew people until I started doing this job and I think that kind of made me sort of question my character in a lot of ways because it's the people that you least expect. The ask is all circumstantial based on the circumstances of the person and I think if you carry the message well, people will feel inclined to want to provide you with the finances or with the help or even bringing people to you and recommending people to come and talk to and it's like I was surprised at how people receive the message when you believe in it and I had to understand that having belief in what you're doing is far more important than prejudging somebody. I'm Han Yun. One important thing in this fundraising job is definitely to get rid of stereotypes and um, typecasting people. You never know who is going to do donate who is not, so don't prejudge people. That's, that's the most important thing. You know, when people walk past you, how many people will ignore you and how many people will, will stop? At least 80%, if not more, are going to acknowledge you. It depends though, I think one thing depends on the day, it depends on many different factors, it depends on where you are as well, you know, but generally speaking you're going to get a response and a nice enough response from about 80% or more people. Coming up to Christmas, do you find that people are more willing in a giving mood. I think the minute December hits, you start noticing a lot more. I always throw on a, a little Santa hat and everything and just start having that bit of crack with people because it's a lovely time of the year to be able to fundraise.
Thanks to Glenn, Abby, Ashani and Han Young for chatting to me. Next time you see a street fundraiser, even if you don't have time to stop, be kind. Next up, we go to items I can't do my job without, where we hear from concerned colleagues around the world on what object, big and small, is essential to their job. It might seem like we're obsessed with transport at concern, but it's how we manage to access communities that are hard to reach who deserve support regardless of their geographical location. So our drivers like Paul Letengen in Kenya have no end of tools to make sure they can complete their journeys no matter what the weather or conditions, as Paul explains. My names are Paul Latenga Lokichar, working with Concern Worldwide in Kenya, in Turkana County. You're going to tell me about the one item you can't do your job without. You're a driver. So what's the one item other than your car that you can't do without? I think you'd understand what a winch is. There's a certain uh, machine, just a gadget, which is being mounted in the vehicle, and it's like uh, it has a rope that has got almost 30 meters. So what you normally do when you are stuck, you get out the winch, you tie it on a tree. Then after tying on a tree, there's a button, it's a remote. You press that button, then that thing rolls. It rolls, it rolls towards the tree. Then your fioko will definitely get out from the mat. If you don't have such things, what we normally do in our vehicles, we normally carry spades. Then you start digging. You dig the mouth down from the tires, then you put some cuttings of the trees down, or if they are not there, then you, do, you use stones. You put stones down the tires, then you try now to get out. But the best one is winch. That's why sometimes we advise the people who are our managers in our departments of logistics that we make sure all of our vehicles in concern should have a winch. Because that one, you can go not only in mud places or in sand dunes, but even in water, yes. You need a tree, though. That's another important part with the winch, isn't it? A good tree. Yes, you need a very strong tree. <laughs> a very strong tree, not a weaker one, because the, the load of the vehicle, it is too heavy. Maybe you can get maybe weaker roots. Then definitely, once you hold, then definitely the tree will fall down. Can you describe your car for people who might know what the car is like? The ones that we are driving, that I'm driving right now, is Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser. And how many people would you fit in the car? Nine passengers. How, what's the distance you'd tr- you maybe could cover in a day or a week? So sometimes you can travel a journey of 240 kilometers in a day. And you've not even finished the whole of Turkana County. People have to understand that's not really on very good roads, right? What are the roads like? Exactly. Our roads are not good roads. Our roads are hard roads. They are not tarmac roads. And they are not, they are even rocky, some of them. So if you go 240 kilometers in a day, definitely to some people, maybe like you, you'll come tired. <laughs> <laughs> so how long roughly would it take to go 240 kilometers? How many hours would that take? Okay, with 140 kilometers, you can only take almost two and a half hours because yeah, of the terrain of the roads. There are some roads in Ireland like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks to Paul for taking the time to chat to us. 
And our How Much Do You Know quiz is back this episode where we test the knowledge of Irish celebrities, activists, influencers and interesting folks to know how much they know about the country's concern works in. Ruth Medjbear is a music photographer who has photographed the likes of Arcade Fire, Glastonbury, Electric Picnic and is currently on tour with Hosier. Concerns Emma Kelly spoke to Ruth and put her through her paces on the quiz. Thank you so much, Ruth, for joining us today on our latest edition of the quiz. I'm delighted. Thanks so much for having me on. And thank you as well for making time for us after such a busy period. You've just got back from being on tour with Hosier. Can you tell us what that was like? It's amazing. So we've been, we've just come back from two months in the USA and Canada. It's been intense. It was fun. And I do put all of my adventures online. So like if anyone wants to follow and see what it's like, I'm I'm very um, open book policy on my Instagram. I give like little tours of our tour buses and all of the situations that we get ourselves into. What's the best thing about being a music and tour photographer? Uh, I get to see a concert every night. <laughs> I get to dance and sing along and have the crack and be surrounded by thousands and thousands of like-minded people who generate this incredibly electric atmosphere between everybody. And it's so invigorating and exciting. And I love that. I've always loved that. I've loved that since I was a teenager. You know, I love being at shows. It's kind of like being part of the band, but without any of the pressure or responsibility. <laughs> so, how did you get into photography? Uh, you mentioned that you've always been interested in sort of music since you were a teenager, but was that always the same for you with photography? So photography came to me a lot sooner than music um, because I had easy access to it as a child. My dad used to sell camera equipment. He was a traveling salesperson. And when I was a kid, like before school, it was obviously cheaper for me to go on the road with him than it was to go into childcare, you know, because both my parents worked. So he would put me in the van, surround me with cameras and blower brushes and litmus paper and all these like little tools and contraptions. And I would play with them. And I'd go to all these camera stores. I'd be a tiny little tot. I'd be sitting on the counter, watching everything go by, looking at all the pictures being developed. And it just sparked this instant obsession. It's just, it's part of my DNA at this point. Well, I think a lot of people would know you for your book, Twilight Together, Portraits of Ireland at Home. Um, can you tell a little bit about that project? Yeah, so it's kind of wild that um, I was this music photographer for so long and then the pandemic hit and it took away music, you know, it took away live music for so long. And then all of a sudden I became known as the Windows photographer. <laughs> and it I was grounded. Everyone was grounded. I was lonely. I was stressed out about money. I was missing the atmosphere. I was missing my life. But the one thing I still had was my camera. So I took to kind of the streets and I initially started photographing my friends. I did these little portraits. I'd get them to come to the window at twilight when it was a real kind of dusky blue outside. And you got this golden kind of warm glow emanating from the house inside where it was this little scene of the family and what they were doing. And then I posted it on Instagram. People seemed to like it a lot. And uh, I had like 400 emails overnight from people all around around Ireland saying can you come and do this in my window or you know they felt like it was nice to see people at home doing the same thing that they were because everyone felt so isolated so it took off and um I was suddenly granted kind of um, permission by the Irish Times calling me a journalist to go and photograph people all over Ireland so I was out on my travels again I suddenly 
had a purpose in my own soul. So I turned it into a book. It was published on Penguin Random House in November 2022. And it kept me going for like a year and a half. I was grateful. I was grateful to the 150 households that feature in the book, you know, and everyone telling me their stories of their own lockdown experiences, whether they were really happy and they'd be drinking cocktails and DJing or whether they were traumatic and, you know, full of grief and loss. So it's a real time capsule for the pandemic, but I don't think anyone's going to want to read that (laughs) in the next few years. I think we have to wait and maybe like discuss it in history class in 10 or 20 years down the line. But Um, you're here for the how much do you know quiz and because of the arena that you work in this week's questions are going to be all about culture in different countries that we work in are you ready to take it on no the question is how much do you know and I'm going to tell you now I know very little (laughs) you know one of us has to be at the bottom of this leaderboard and I'm ready to take that on now let's bring it up (laughs) so I'm going to give you a minute and we'll just answer as many questions as possible so And Nollywood is the second biggest movie industry in the world. Do you know where it's based? Is it Niger, Ethiopia? Nigeria. You didn't even need the ABC. (laughs) Which of these uh, joined the UNESCO Cultural Heritage List in 2021? Was it Shano singing, Congolese rumba or kimchi? Uh, I don't know is the answer, but I'd hope it was Shano's. Shano's isn't on the list. It's Congolese rumba. The Iraqi makam uh, refers to what? Is it a form of dance, a form of music, or a form of dress? I don't know. I'm going to go with B, just because. You're right. Iraqi form of music. Um, Shamsia Hassani is considered the first female graffiti and street artist working where? Is it Pakistan, Afghanistan, or Bangladesh? I'm going to go with A. It's actually Afghanistan. Um, I thought I said Afghanistan. No, okay, never mind, never mind. I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give it, yeah. Hipco is a genre of what type of music from Liberia? Is it hip hop, jazz, or country? Hipco. Is it a splice between hip hop and country? And if so, I would love to hear that. <laughs> it is hip hop, so I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> you did well there, though. I think you were quite generous to me there and I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm very delighted even just to chat to you today, so I'll take it. Thank you so much for taking on a quiz. You're a great sport. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Lovely to hear from Ruth there. We missed her final score. She got four. And if you want to follow her on Instagram and get all the behind the scenes of tour life on the road with Hosier, you can find her at Ruthless Imagery. The podcast team would love to hear your thoughts on who you'd like to hear on the quiz. You can email us at podworldwide at concern.net or you can send a voice note via WhatsApp to an Irish number 085-872-0720. If you're under 18, don't forget to CC in your guardian if emailing or message from their phone once you have their permission, of course. And that's it for this episode of Pod Worldwide. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to it. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You can get in touch via email to the previously mentioned email address, podworldwide at concern.net. Don't forget to subscribe and please give it a review on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps with growing our audience. We'll be doing it all again next month. Until then, thanks to all our guests for joining us. Mm-hmm.